0: Before we hear God's word read for us by Kathy, uh, we're going to stop and pray that God would open our hearts and minds to hear the good news that God has for us today. Let's pray together. Christ, you are the light of the world, in whom there is no darkness at all. As your word is read to us today, would you open our hearts to your light, that in hearing your good news, we may live as your people and glorify you in the world. Amen.
1: There were certainly a lot of moving parts just then, weren't they? <laughs> Chinese puzzle. The scripture this morning is from the book of Exodus, the 16th chapter, verses 2 through 7 and 13 through 31. And when I was reading it, I really thought, this is about the children of Israel. Pardon me, Nick. I think you're the, oh, no, there's more children back there. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If we only had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether or not they will follow my instruction." On the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites in the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and in the morning you shall see that the glory of the Lord you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaining against the Lord for what are we that you complain against us And then moving on to verse 13. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each of you needs, an omer to a person according to the number of persons all providing for those in their own tents. The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it it over until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. This is the children part. Some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry and beca- with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it as much as each needed, but when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much food, two omers apiece. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put aside until morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not become foul, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather and they found none. The Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and instructions? Doesn't that sound like a mother? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you food for two days. Each of you stay where you are. Do not leave your place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The house of Israel called it manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Here ends the reading.
0: Let's pray. Lord, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Jesus our only concern. Amen. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Can God spread a table in the wilderness? This question comes from Psalm 78, and I read it actually yesterday in devotional reading. I wasn't even preparing for my sermon. And the question just felt so appropriate to ask you this morning Can God spread a table in the wilderness? The wilderness is a space where things are untamed, unknown, and there is a lack of available resources. Psalm 78 is talking about a literal wilderness. But when I read the psalm, I thought about the figurative wilderness that shows up in our own lives. Where in your life are things untamed, unknown, and there is a lack of available resources. What wilderness have you found yourself in the past? What wilderness might you find yourself in today? I'm talking about the wilderness of our spiritual lives, the wilderness of an unexpected change in a job, the wilderness of difficulties in a relationship, the wilderness of depression, the wilderness of watching a loved one suffer from illness. What wilderness do you find yourself in today? And if you are able to identify this wilderness, this untamed, unknown, unprovided for space, are you at all asking the question can God spread a table in the wilderness? Can God spread a table in the wilderness? In other words, can God provide me what I need to make it through, even if there seems to be no end in sight? Because after all, it is the wilderness. Can God provide for me when there seems to be no way? If you are asking this question this morning, you are not alone. It's the same question the Israelites asked in our scripture passage today. Here's a quick recap of how the Israelites got to where they are now in the story. The biblical Israelites were slaves in the land of Egypt. As God's people, they cried out to God for help. And God delivered them from oppression and slavery. I'm sure many of you know this story. God split the Red Sea open and made a way out when there seemed to be no way. God closed in the sea on Pharaoh and his army, who were pursuing the Israelites to take them back to slavery. In their freedom, God led the people to Mount Sinai, where God gave them, through Moses, the Ten Commandments. God gave them the promise of inhabiting the promised land. But the people did not trust God, so God made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And that's where our story comes in for today. The Israelites were in the literal wilderness. Things were untamed, unknown, and there was a lack of available resources. So they complained to Moses And Moses prayed to the Lord for help, and God provided, sending down a special bread from heaven called manna, which fell like dew on the ground every morning. God provided in an amazing way. Interestingly enough, the Israelites were still not satisfied. They complained to Moses that they needed meat to eat, and so God... And God's extravagant mercy sent them quail every day. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? For the Israelites, God did. God made a way when there was no way, providing life, nourishment, and wholeness to God's people. The passage that we just read describes this story, minus the part about the Israelites complaining about meat. You can find that in Numbers 11 if you're interested. Our passage today, however, does have a really important lesson to learn about Sabbath and how Sabbath reminds us that God spreads a table in the wilderness. The biblical people of Israel, who are Jews, celebrated the Sabbath, or a day of rest, on the seventh day of the week. That would be our Saturday, so yesterday. God gave these people the commandment at Mount Sinai to, quote, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. To God, keeping the Sabbath was so important that God made it one of the Ten Commandments. God wanted the people to rest on one day, to cease their working, striving, and earning, to realize that God provides for them and to rest in that knowledge, and allow that knowledge to lead them to worship God. Because God commanded the people to rest, God made provisions even in the showering of manna and quail, so the people of Israel could rest on the seventh day. As you heard in this story, the manna would not keep from day to day. The people would gather each day what they needed, and if they kept it, it would be full of worms the next day. But on the sixth day of the week, God provided. God commanded them to gather double on the sixth day and to rest on the seventh day. And miraculously, on the seventh day, the manna did not go bad. Here again, this part of the story. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much food, two omers apiece. When all of the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not become foul and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there shall be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, and they found none. The Lord said to Moses, How long will you keep refusing to keep my commandments and instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you food for two days. Each of you stay where you are. Do not leave your place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. I love that the Bible gives us stories of people messing up. Because it's just so human. We recognize it and we empathize with it. Some of the Israelites didn't trust that the manna would stay good if they gathered double on the sixth day. So they didn't gather enough for the seventh. Sure, we can shake our heads and think, Oh my goodness, Israelites, how dense can you get? God literally provided bread that rains down from heaven to you daily. And meat, by the way, too, because you complained. And you still doubt that God knows what's best for you? I would like to offer, however, that we are not so different than the Israelites in this story. I think that it's much more easy to ask the question, can God spread a table in the wilderness, than to trust that certainly God will. And that is the very reason that Sabbath is so important. Sabbath is a time to stop, to cease our striving, worrying, and producing, and practice active trust that God can and God will provide for us. This act of ceasing our own striving and trusting God is countercultural, and it is hard. Think about it. We live in a culture that values the American dream. Work hard enough, and you'll earn it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and it'll be all right. In this worldview that we live in of self-sufficiency and fear of trusting another for help, it is countercultural and hard to trust that God will provide for us. It seems safer to trust in ourselves. I would offer that practicing Sabbath is practicing trust that God will provide. And practicing Sabbath is an active practice that takes work. It takes intention and work to turn from our illusion of self-sufficiency to turn to trusting God. But oh how good it is when we can rest in the goodness of God's provision In God's grace, there is no striving, earning, or deserving. God welcomes all. When we stop to rest, we are forced to realize that we are not in control of our own destiny. But all that we have, all that we have is a gift from God's hand. When we cease our relentless trying to earn our own way and trust that God provides for us, we find God's provision And God's peace. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew chapter 6 Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus is trying to tell his disciples and those following him the good news that God cares enough for us to provide for us. Sabbath is the practice of actually stopping, resting, and allowing God to be God. Resting and practicing Sabbath is an act of trust that confesses that God is God and we are not. God is the sole provider and caregiver of our lives and we are not. When we stop and rest, we actively participate in this trust and we have time to pause and remember this truth. Marva Don puts it this way in her book, Keeping the Sabbath Holy. One of the reasons that Sabbath is so freeing is when we cease working, we dispense the need to create our own future. The point of the whole story is that God will provide for his people. They don't have to struggle to work things out for themselves. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Maybe the question should be, will we stop enough to allow God to do it? Will we make room to cease our striving and allow God to be God? And will we make time to stop and taste the feast? There are seasons in our lives that seem like the wilderness, and there are seasons in our lives that seem like the feast. And sometimes when we are in the wilderness, it can be especially hard to trust that God can provide for us. And that God will provide for us as God has done before. I get it. (laughs) Because I've lived that reality myself. And if you find yourself in that wilderness place today and you are still asking, can God spread a table in the wilderness? I believe that the end of our scripture passage today has some good news for you in it. And the good news is all about a jar of manna. I'll explain in just a minute what I mean. Hang with me as we listen to the story. Moses said, This is what the Lord commanded. Let an omer of manna be kept throughout your generations in order that you may see the food with which I gave you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And so Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the covenant for safekeeping. You know why I think that the Lord commanded the Israelites to keep a jar of manna for future generations to see? Because by nature, we as humans are an untrusting people. If you've read much of the Old Testament, you know that no matter how miraculously God provided for the Israelites, time and time again, they would doubt God. Time and time again, they would ask the question, can God spread a table in the wilderness? The question is human. It's normal. And God knew that they would ask it. So God decided to give them a sign, a visible reminder when the going got hard, that God did make a way, and that God would make a way again. What is your jar of manna? When the going gets tough, when you are in the wilderness and are questioning God, is there a moment that you look back to of God's provision that keeps you grounded? Is there a moment in your life where you can recall when God made a way when there was no way? What is your jar of manna? We humans are doubtful, forgetful, and slow. We need to remember that God provides. We need to remember the exact moments in our lives where God provided. These moments, when the going gets tough, when we are in the wilderness, are the moments that ground us and help us to trust in God again. So I ask you again, what is your jar of manna? What is the moment you can remember when God provided when the going got tough? Now, if you were having trouble thinking of this moment today, Maybe you can call upon the story of how God worked in someone else's life that's close to you and you saw God provided, a friend, or even a story in scripture like the one we heard today where God provided. Let these things be your jar of manna, your jar of remembrance of God's provision. Let these things be your trust. I think that God had the Israelites set aside this jar of manna for a reason, as I just told you. And so I want to set aside time in the sermon today for us to create our own jars of manna. No, I don't have an arts and crafts table for you in the narthex. But I want to give you a moment of silence, and should you choose to participate... I want you to think of what your jar of manna is, what moment of God's provision you can think of in your past or in a story that you know of, and write it down on the corner of your bulletin. Take your bulletin home with you. Cut out that reminder, that jar of manna of God's provision, and put it on your bathroom mirror. Let it be a daily reminder to you of God's provision, for God does provide. I'll give you a moment now to silently reflect on what that might be for you. Dear friends, God provides for us. And it is in that provision, in that act of trust, that we can rest. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, you are the giver of all good things. Even in the moments in our life that are painful and messy and that seem like the wilderness. And I pray by your spirit that you would help us to rest in that trust both in moments that are really painful and that are overflowing with goodness. May we rejoice and worship you in all of the goodness that you have provided for us. We pray this in your name. Amen.